before we begin, you want to hear a joke? God damn it, AJ. That was going to be my intro. <laughs> now I have nothing. Why did the bike fall over? Um, Because it was too tired. Damn it. <laughs> I was trying to come up with a joke to tell you for the intro, like, for the last three hours, and all I got is that... I had veggie nuggets for lunch, which I bought because I thought they would be healthier than regular nuggets. That's the joke. <laughs> you know, sometimes the funniest jokes are the jokes where there is no joke. <laughs> sometimes the funniest jokes are the ones you play on yourself. Exactly. Let's start the show! Yay! to Into the Falls, a Gravity Falls podcast. I'm Mary, and I know lots of things. I'm AJ, and I know nothing. This is a podcast where I guide AJ through the wonderful weirdness of Gravity Falls, my favorite show that he has never seen. If you're a new arrival like me, or looking to relive some crazy summer memories, come with us, and let's dive into the falls. One question I will ask you is, do you remember your first all-nighter? I believe it was a uh, church lock-in all the way Ooh. back in like middle school, where basically me and the rest of the members of the youth group would uh, just hang out at the church all night. We'd play uh, video games, board games. I think we even went uh, bowling. It was a lot of fun, and I've done that uh, a couple of times after that. Closest thing I've been to a lock-in was uh, grad night. The night after I graduated high school, they did this like all-night thing at the school where uh, they, were, they had like a magician there. There were like bouncy castles, like little obstacle courses, but I didn't change since the ceremony, so I was wearing a dress the whole time, but I did them anyway. Yeah, so that ended at like 5 a.m., but the first all-nighter I ever pulled was in like fourth grade. I was sleeping over at my friend's house. Yeah, the whole time I was just like, guys, no, I'm too tired. Everybody shut up so I can go to sleep. And then I would just like try and then give up after a few minutes. And so we just stayed up all night. And the reason that came to mind is because we watched the movie The Water Horse that night. Oh, wow. I, I don't think I've heard of that one. Uh, it's about the Loch Ness Monster. I think it's like a little Scottish boy befriends the Loch Ness Monster. And it's like a fictionalized telling of how the famous photo of it was taken. Oh, nice. I don't remember anything else about it except for a scene where they had the baby water horse in a bathtub. <laughs> Pretty topical that you mentioned that since uh, that's basically what this uh, monster of the week this week was about. Well, yeah, that's why I brought it up. And now a brief recap of Gravity Falls Season 1, Episode 2, Legend of the Gobblewonker, aired on June 29th, 2012. It's fishing season, and Stan wants to bond with the kids over a day of corny uncle jokes and likely not a lot of action and excitement. But local coot Old Man McGucket gives them an out when he starts raving about a lake monster called the Gobblewonker. Dipper and Mabel go with Seuss to track it down and get a picture for a magazine contest, leaving Stan alone on a dinky little boat trying to entertain himself. The others land on Scuttlebutt Island, in their search for the monster, and after hearing a mysterious growling noise from the opposite shore, they rush in to get their evidence. Unfortunately, they only find a 
large piece of driftwood surrounded by beavers and an old chainsaw making the noise. Fortunately, those beavers are really cute. They're just about ready to give up on the hunt when a much more real-looking gobblewonker rises out of the water and chases them across the island, back over the lake, and into a cave where it gets stuck. The kids get their pictures, but their hopes are once again dashed when the monster starts short-circuiting and shuts down. Inside, they find Old Man McGucket, who admits to building the mechanical creature in an effort to get attention from his son. Dipper and Mabel realize they've left Stan in a similar position, unable to spend quality time with his family, and go back to apologize and finally fish with him. They may not have been able to get hard evidence of a cryptid, but they have a grand old time stealing other people's fish and running from the lake police. So much that they don't even notice the real gobblewonker swimming just under their boat and back down into the depths. AJ! Yeah? You are two in now. What'd you think of this one? I think it was good. It was a nice little settling in to the to the whole pace of the show this time around. Basically, one of my biggest thoughts was like, man, this animation is so good. Like, it's really smooth, and I can tell all the uh, little CGI tricks here and there, like with the boat and stuff. It really, uh, really boosted up the quality of the of this episode, I think. Yeah, this one... Um... I think the pilot did a very good job establishing everything. This one is kind of opening it up a little more. Like we get it, we get introduced to a lot of secondary characters in this one. Yeah. On the line of that, I think I'm gonna go ahead and submit my guess for uh, who did Alex Hirsch voice this time. I'm gonna say the crazy old man. Am I right? You are correct. Yeah. He was the voice of Old Man McGucket. I think he also played his son, but I'm not sure. <laughs> he was uh, <laughs> he was he was pretty funny. Yeah, he um was originally going to be called Old Man McGuffin. Uh yeah. I I can I can totally see that. I think they changed it because S&P thought kids weren't going to get it or like I I don't know. I don't remember why they changed it, but it's now Old Man McGucket and he is just a sad crazy old man. Oh, banjo polish. Oh, donkey spittle. <laughs> I, I love that. Like, really, only certain kinds of people can write stuff like that. Yeah. Speaking of voice actors, apparently Will Friedle, who was Ron Stoppable, Terry McGinnis, he was Eric on Boy Meets World, he's in this episode somewhere. I'm not sure who he plays. Oh, wow. I've always been trying to figure it out, and, and I've never been able to. My best guess is that he was the guy who was going to propose to his girlfriend. <laughs> that scene was pretty funny, too. I feel like I remember hearing that that was him, but I, I couldn't actually place his voice yeah i mean i can't uh i don't have the particular voice in my mind it's not really as familiar to me as some other voiceover artists but uh i'm sure the wiki has something on that yeah you can definitely tell in this episode the voice actors are really still getting into their groove sort of like they haven't quite nailed down all the voices yet but they're gonna kind of evolve i can sort of see that like when you listen to seuss that mostly just sounds like alex hirsch talking like he's doing a little bit of a voice but not as much as he does in future episodes i understand i mean me watching for the first time it's a it's a pretty dopey voice to me but yeah i'm sure it'll uh it'll evolve as the episodes uh continue to go on and then i'm just gonna be like oh that's always how he sounded yeah i kind of want to talk a little bit about uh about stan in this episode boy dipper and mabel sure did him dirty didn't they yeah and also, yeah, Stan has a way bigger role in this one than he does in the first one. Even though he's not he's not doing a ton of stuff, he's just kind of talking to people and they don't want to talk to him. So he leaves 
and then that happens. But like, it's still funny every time it happens. Yeah, it's still very a big uh, comedic relief thing. But uh, he's also some way in uh, responsible for inciting the plot because somebody uh, somebody's got to be ditched so that Mabel and Dipper can go after that. Uh, Go after the, what was it? The Grobble Wonker? The Gobble Wonker. Ah, uh, one R off. So close, yet so far. So far. Yeah, and um, the stand voice is also one that's gonna, that hasn't quite hit its stride yet. You can still hear a little more of Alex Hirsch's regular voice in it. Yeah, and I mean, that's just kind of a thing with uh, people that aren't accustomed to voice acting trying to do the job. They really just got to give them time and then they'll settle into the kind of thing that they're going to do. Well, he'd done voice acting before. He was a uh, Clamantha on Fish Hooks. Okay. Good to always learn something new. Yeah, he worked on that show for a while. That was um, Chelsea Kane was on it, Justin Roiland, Kyle Massey. Justin Roiland? Wow. That was my introduction to Justin Roiland was Fish Hooks. Wow. I didn't. Honestly, I did not expect that. Wow, from going to working on a Disney cartoon to freaking doing Rick and Morty, like, going from zero to a hundred right there. Yeah. Okay, one thing about the intro. Mabel with that sweater that she has plugged into the wall so it'll light up. The implication of that is that she has to stand there with it plugged in. She has to keep standing by the outlet in order for everyone to properly appreciate her sweater. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's a little impractical right there. I mean, unless unless you'd find a way to uh, run it off of batteries. I mean, maybe it's maybe it was more for the artistic merit than for being able to practically wear it. I mean, all art is really like that, isn't it? Yeah. I want to talk about that hamster ball uh, fantasy sequence real quick because that, Mabel has it figured that out. Is great. She knows she knows what she wants. She's going to get it. Absolutely. I love that when Dipper has that like fantasy where he's on the Charlie Rose type thing and Mabel just like bursts through the wall and she like clearly hasn't bathed in days and she's like gone feral like and then it cuts back to both of them and they're both totally cool with that. Like that is both their fantasy. They want that to happen. <laughs> yeah. At first I was like, gee, Dipper clearly has a different opinion of her sister than uh, Mabel does of him. But then it's like, no they're they're both on board with this <laughs> it's just so silly they're clearly they're clearly locked in as siblings he just knows her that well yeah it's like yeah she, she's gonna want to bust through the wall start screaming we're gonna have to run yeah which is just as well because i'm pretty sure charlie rose sexually harassed some women i have in my notes dipper why would you want to go on that show he got me too'd <laughs> i have no idea who charlie rose is by the way. This definitely aired before that happened, or before the allegations came out. One thing I want to say that has always been so funny to me about this episode is when they're driving to the lake and Stan just isn't doing a very good job. Oh, yeah. And he just he just plows through the fence and they all scream, but it's like so brief and it just cuts out. That's always just been so funny to me. Yeah. Also, Dipper doing the freaking wait what right before the uh, right before the title sequence. You think DuckTales invented wait what? <laughs> My world is very narrow. You that you've got to realize that about me. Your world is only cartoons. My world is only ducks. It's hard for me to get into this without picturing Dipper and Mabel as having bills. Yeah. Joking. So I've been fishing a couple times in my life. I think I've only ever caught one. And it's when I was about eight years old. My grandpa took me fishing and I caught a croaker. I named her Greta. And then I didn't want my grandpa to cook Greta. So we brought her back to shore. I showed my mom and then we threw her back into the water. Looking back, I'm not sure if she was still alive when we did that. <laughs> Maybe not. Who, who knows? But 
it's the it's the principle that counts really yeah when i was like six my mom had a scarf made out of rabbit tails and she told me that and i was horrified and she was like oh they they died of natural causes don't worry (laughs) and i i believed her for years uh childhood innocence it's a beautiful thing i really didn't have that much fishing experience myself like I remember going to like this uh, wildlife convention with one of my uncles and... Your grunkle? Not grunkle, unfortunately. Just uncle. He's not... He wasn't special enough to have the grunkle title. What's the point of an uncle if it's not your grunkle? Uh, Uncle Donald is not a grunkle. Well, he's a dunkle. Yes. Yes, he is. We're not going to tell the listeners what that means. (laughs) They can figure it out. Yeah. So beavers. Beavers. I wanted to talk about this, actually. First of all, they're very cute. They're drawn very cute. Yeah. Second, when I was 10, I went to camp for a week. It was the only time I ever went to sleepaway camp. If I remember correctly, the girls part of the camp and only the girls part was called the beavers. (laughs) That's, uh, yeah. that's something. So looking back, I'm like, why would you, why would you place that burden on a bunch of children? <laughs> I was 10 years old. My sister was eight. We didn't know better. And that's why they probably thought they could get away with it. That's, God. I, it's an in-joke among that? the counselors and no one else. But it's children. You're using it to refer to children. I would be all the more horrified if they were aware of it. I have to believe that they didn't know. Yeah. Or at least that, like, whoever came up with it didn't know. Maybe maybe the counselors knew, but they didn't bring it up. I think that's the most likely scenario. Yeah. Another example of uh, this show twisting you in a way that you don't expect They go to the island for the monster, they think they have it, and then it's beavers. It's beavers. Yeah, beavers on this weird log, and, you know, they're just being beavers. They're cavorting. They're cavorting, and it's so cute. And then we think that Dipper, and I'm sure the rest of the audience thinks that's it, but then, wait, there is an actual monster. What? Yeah, cute chase scene. Yeah. I want to know what the deal is with those guys that were just transporting a giant sheet of glass across the lake. Oh my gosh, that was the funniest gag. (laughs) Even if, even if nothing had crashed through that, that's just not an efficient way to do it. Like, it's going to fall into the lake. One of you, you only have two guys holding it. You're on two separate boats. Like, someone's going to lose their balance. Someone's going to get injured. Yeah, but it's such a funny gag, though. It's been done to death, but it it never loses its edge. So, you know, you got to do it. You just got to do it. Yeah, it's not like a plot hole that we don't know why they're doing this, but why are they doing it? <laughs> it's just a gag for the gag's sake. Yeah. Seuss's life vest does not fit. He is going to drown. Yeah. Case in point, really, with that, when they go through the falls and then they're all flung off of the boat and his entire uh, uh, shirt uh, goes with his life vest. I think you mean they go into the falls? Damn. I had, I had, no joke. I had that joke in my mind as I was setting up and then I just totally, I just totally botched it. This is why you take notes. Yeah. I'm never winging an episode again. <laughs> I haven't talked about my personal history with this one yet. There's not much more to say that I didn't say last time, but I will say that around the time this aired, you know how, like, when a new cartoon would come out, they would keep rerunning the same episodes because they just didn't have a lot? Oh, 
Yeah, I can I can totally get that. Like, I remember when Danny Phantom came out, they just kept rerunning the pilot and I got so tired of it, but it didn't occur to me like, oh, there are no other episodes that they can play. But this one got played a lot and it played once in the waiting room of the ER when my cousin had an anaphylactic attack and we were waiting for her. So I was just watching it and like I was enjoying it well enough and then we got to the marriage is terrible line and I was just like, "Ha, this is a good show." I'm like, "All right, you have my respect." Yeah, it's fu- it's funny to me the uh the, the kind of gags that they're uh that they're doing here. Like the marriage is terrible bit just uh stand totally not reading the room here. Oh yeah. Just just poor him. He just wants he just wants to have a couple of kids to tell dad jokes to. And then it's like He wants fishing buddies. He wants fishing buddies, but that's not your kid though. Well, I mean, they're they're kind of his kids for the summer. It's like, you know, if you're going to live in my house, we should get to know each other a little bit. He already got them thrown in jail. He's on thin ice. <laughs> Yeah, what the heck was with that going back to the uh, to the beginning? Who would think to uh, just take a couple of kids, put them in the backseat of the car and blindfold them? Stanwood. I'm sure there are much better ways to surprise your kids than, 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 than something that you might see on Investigation Discovery. God, that should have been my non sequitur. I think I almost did that, but I never wrote it down. It's just like, hey, do you want to put on a blindfold and get into my car? <laughs> Have you ever seen a car with carpet on the bottom, like legit sh- like shag, shag? carpet? Because that's what that car looked like. I have not. Like, I would only imagine that stuff being in like like those tricked out white vans that some people have, that some people live yeah. in. I'm not, I'm not saying that kind of white van, but I'm also saying... That would be worse. <laughs> it could be worse. You could be blindfolding kids and putting them into a white van. Yes. Stop. No. Halt. Desist. Stop it. Get some help. Nothing good happens in a van. I also realized, where did Seuss get a boat? Uh, why Why does he own his own boat? I don't know. Makes you think, what kind of money is he making outside of the mystery shack? Maybe he's just really good at saving. Maybe. Maybe he's a maybe he's a trust fund kid. Yeah, I mean he seems pretty okay with the boat getting destroyed at the end. Maybe he wasn't super attached to it. He was just like, "Hey, I have this. Might as well use it." Yeah, but I mean, they just survived a deadly encounter with a monster robot. <gasps> Count your blessings. <laughs> Okay, my thing about when they find out it's a robot, they still could have submitted a picture. Like, those are all going to be hoaxes anyway. Now I'm realizing, like, Dipper would probably be pretty hung up on, like, journalistic integrity because he fully believes in this stuff, so he's not going to want to kind of lose his credibility. That's really what they taught us in uh, when I was going to college is that the integrity is the thing. And then you just watch a bit of news on, like, CNN or Fox News or whatever, and it's like, okay, so this is bullshit. When I studied abroad in London, I took a British media course that was mostly about news media, and my professor referred to Rupert Murdoch as the Prince of Darkness. We just don't talk about that stuff. But yeah, he's Dipper's seen actual monsters, I'm sure, by this point. We don't even know, really, how long it's been since, uh, since the fiasco with the gnomes. There could have been numerous monsters that he and Mabel have seen between then and now. So, all the more reason he's probably like... Yeah, this has got to be real or like, what's the point? Yeah, he does say like, we see 
that kind of stuff every day. So that implies it's been like the gnome thing didn't happen yesterday. But I don't think I don't think it's been super long. I think it's it's maybe been a couple of days or a week. Yeah. Clearly enough time for them to have another quote unquote family bonding day that also went horribly wrong. Yeah. I mean, when you look at like the number of episodes this has and all the stuff that happens in them, it doesn't totally make sense for this all to be happening over the course of like three months. But Alex Hirsch has said that the show runs more on like emotional logic than actual logic. So it's like, you know, summer kind of feels longer than it is. Yeah. It feels like a bigger thing than it actually is. So the audience kind of buys that this could all happen. Yeah. Hence why there is 104 days of summer vacation and somehow like 200 something episodes of Phineas and Ferb. Yeah, no, I think it's like 222. And they reference that a lot in that show. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't you kids a little too young to be stuck in an endless purgatory? Yes. Yes, we are. That's like one of three Phineas and Ferb references I can make. Listeners, AJ, throughout this entire recording so far, has been periodically watching me try to adjust myself in order to get into a comfortable and practical recording position. So far, I have not succeeded. That's okay. We're all just uh, doing our best with this. We'll get him next time, he says as he sits at his desk in a silent room with a nice microphone. Oh, so my microphone's not nice enough for you. <laughs> I, I didn't say that. Well, I'm sorry I don't have a pop filter. <laughs> or a windscreen or whatever. I'm sorry I had $50 to spend on a microphone and I got a snowball. Hey, fair case. I think I spent like 80 on this. Did you notice there are a couple of shots where Mabel looks like a Peanuts character? When they're at the lake and she turns to Dipper and she says, I think he actually wants to fish with us. That looks like it's from a Charlie Brown special. Yeah, I've I can sort of see like maybe the influence that Peanuts may have on the just the art style of the show as a whole. They got the big heads. Yeah, the big heads and the small bodies and sort of the bean shaped head as well. I feel like... I got a lot of my sense of humor from this show when I was a teenager. Like Dipper saying, aren't you supposed to be look out? And she goes, look out and throws a ball at him. Ball <laughs> came out of nowhere, but she's she's going to be a little scamp. Yeah, that's just kind of the charming thing about uh, about their dynamic. And then ah, bird and she throws a camera at it for no real reason. Yeah, what a side note. What a horrible waste of disposable cameras. And I mean, yeah, they they are polluting the f- out of that lake. Yeah, really. Like that's a lot of plastic and a lot of more plastic that you're just tossing casually into a, into a lake. Like Seuss, what what's what's the matter with you? He just wants to do the right thing, and he he's under the impression that the right thing is to throw cameras into the lake. How do you think the beavers got that chainsaw? People dump things in the lake. Right. I mean, when teeth when teeth don't cut it, put a bunch of them on a chain and then rev it up. This was the plot of the Simpsons movie. We've been warned and we continue to do it. Yeah. By the way, Dipper's kind of right about that whole camera thing. Like you see it all the time with these like Bigfoot documentaries and these uh these movies where you know they're trying to get evidence of the big monster and it's like oh you you can't do that when is the last time you used a disposable camera oh gosh because uh, I'm just thinking this would be this would be such a non-issue today unless they like drop their phones into the water and then you just have a bigger problem yeah like 15 years ago probably I think you can still buy like disposable cameras from like a pharmacy or or a Walmart or or whatever. But like, why? Why would you? Hey, a perfect segue to talk about today's sponsor of Into the Falls, Coderoy Disposable Cameras. 
Do you remember popping down to the local drugstore and buying a disposable camera to capture treasured memories on film? Well, that's still a thing. And we at Coderoid have a warehouse full of extra stock to sell to you. Remember the feel of the plastic, pressing that dinky button, and winding the wheel to the next exposure? You could just use your phone and know immediately if the pick is good. But don't you miss the white-knuckle anticipation of waiting a day for the film to develop, only to realize you wasted money on your photography degree? Nostalgia is a powerful siren. Relive your childhood with our classic product. Still available wherever you buy housewares, shampoo, or unmentionables. And tell the cashier into the fall sent you. Will they care? Likely not, but they should. Coderoid Disposable Cameras. Same day development into your heart. Coderoid Disposable Cameras is not a real camera brand, and we at Into the Falls are not responsible for you falling for this dumb parody ad. You can still totally buy disposable cameras, though, so maybe my parody ad is actually real and this disclaimer is unnecessary. Whatever, back to the show. So a scene where they like first get to the island and there's like mist everywhere and there's a forest behind them. Someone made an edit where Slender Man is peeking out behind one of the trees and so many people thought it was actually part of the episode, myself included. (laughs) Oh my gosh. If there's anything more 2012 than Slender Man, I don't know what is. What about Twilight? Okay, you got me there. (laughs) Yeah, these these two episodes, like, I mean, it's, it's not the episode's fault. It's someone photoshopped it. But that just really tells you about the era that this was airing in. It was a wild time, the uh, the early 2010s. Yeah. Also, we talked about this last time. This aired June 29th, 2012. And some people consider that to be the actual anniversary of Gravity Falls. Those people are wrong. Do not let anyone tell you that that is the official anniversary, okay? It is June 15th. That is when the pilot aired. That is when the show started. It's like, how do you come up with that reasoning? Like, Well, I think I think that was like Disney's reasoning. I think if, if Disney makes an anniversary post for it this year, it'll probably be on the 29th. Yeah, which is which is dumb. But then, you know, Disney's going to do what Disney's going to do. They've always done what they want for decades. It's Disney's world and we're just living in it. Yeah. So that beaver that like attacked Seuss in the face, I almost said Scrooge. But um, <laughs> it like stuck to Seuss's face. If you look while he's like trying to pull it off, I'm like, that thing is going to rip out your eyeballs. It has its claws like firmly in your eye sockets. It, it is going to rip out your eyeballs. Yeah, it's uh, it's out for blood. Beavers, they're they're cute and cuddly and all that. But just wait, you mess with them and they'll mess with you right back. OK, the codes. We need to talk about the codes before I forget again. Yeah, as in the uh, the one at the like very end of the end credits. Yeah. So in the intro of every episode, there's a voice whispering something at the very end. If you play that backwards, it says three letters back. And that is a reference to, I believe, the Caesar cipher. Let me look it up. Yes, it's the Caesar cipher. So the one in Taurus Trapped was Welcome to Gravity Falls. I do not remember what it was for this one, but I'm about to look it up. Is this really amazing that uh they put this kind of stuff in and it's totally gonna go right over the head of a of a casual watcher like me are you a casual watcher if you're doing a podcast about it touche but then i've also got somebody on the inside so okay the credits code in this one is next week return to butt island oh fascinating that's not actually what the next episode is but you know yeah 
they produce these all willy-nilly, but definitely an indication that that uh, there's definitely something else mysterious about the island, probably. And also, the monster was a robot, but then the monster was actually real? Question mark, exclamation point? Maybe McGucket uh, saw the monster while he was tripping, thought it was a hallucination, used it to base his robot off of. Well, I mean, that old man is crazy. We can't put it past him to actually take inspiration from the real world. I mean, most of the best stories are have some basis in reality. He just straight up chased two children with a giant robot. Yeah. Like, he did that on purpose. Yeah. Because he wanted attention. He wanted his son to spend time with him. He wanted his fishing buddies. Yeah, I love, I love how they just tell him, like, this was not, there was a much simpler solution to this. Like, did you just tell your son how he felt? And he's like, no, I, I just built the robot. Yeah, and then we—that's when we find out that this uh, this old man is some evil mastermind hellbent on the destruction of the world. But he—he's also kind of got a sad life, you know. His wife left him. Uh, his friend didn't come to his retirement party. But how close were they really? Like, who else came to your retirement party? Those are your real friends. Also, what were you retiring from? <laughs> yeah, what were you retiring from, and why did you retire with a with a brain like that? You could have been—you uh, could have cured cancer. But I don't want to cure cancer. I want to chase children with robot dinosaurs. Yep, and this is why we can't have nice things in this world. That's my favorite Taylor Swift song. Also, that poor monster swallowing uh, swallowing that one last disposable camera, like... That's what it subsists on. It The Gobblewonker eats disposable cameras. AJ, I've cracked it. We're geniuses. That's why people always lose their cameras when they try to get pictures of it, because it eats them. We're going to make so much clout. We're just going to go on to our monsters, our Bigfoot, and we're going to be superstars. You're going to be like, oh my god, you've cracked the code about this fictional cryptid from a TV show that aired nine years ago. Hey, I've seen worse ways of, uh, of getting clout on the internet. It eats something that no one uses anymore. Really? We should have thought of this sooner. What, what is this going to do for us, AJ? What is What are we going to gain from this, other than knowledge? Maybe the real monster was the friends we made along the way? The real monster is capitalism. You know that, I know that. Eat the rich uncle. This episode probably has the most Disney kids show message of really any of them that I can think of right now. Yeah, this, uh, the ending lesson, oh boy, I could... I could see it coming from like a mile away and it was like, it was just as sappy. Yeah, I feel like I wasn't really thinking about it just because I've seen the episode so many times. I've seen the show so many times, so I I knew it was coming. So I wasn't like groaning at it or anything. I wasn't like, oh God, they have to learn to appreciate their family. Like it was just sort of a thing. Like, yeah, that's what this episode is. And like a lot of the other episodes aren't really like that. Like tone wise, they're definitely similar to this one, but they don't always have like a strict moral or anything. Yeah, that's uh, definitely a very common trope, I think, with Disney and heck, a lot of uh, a lot of shows are like that. Really not not even broader Disney, but mostly like Disney Channel and like kids shows. So as much as I've seen this episode, it's it has been a while since I've actually watched it. So when Dipper when they were being chased and Dipper like took out a camera and he said cracked lens, there was a part of me for a second that thought he was going to say crap. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, they allowed some stuff on this show. I know they draw the line at swearing. I know that. Yeah, Megavolt tried that once in uh, in a Darkwing comic and the whole thing needed a rewrite the second time around. 
just for that one line. I don't remember that. Yeah, I can I can tell you about it later. During the credits, I could watch probably a good like three minutes short of uh, just the seagull telling dad jokes. Like I would watch that. You could. Do you know who voiced uh, the pelican? Alex Hirsch? Alex Hirsch. I, for some reason, I thought for a while that it was Kristen Schaal doing a voice. There's no way that's Kristen. <laughs> that was no hilarious how they did that. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you, you just totally, like, you know it's not her voice, but also you totally believe that she's doing it somehow. Or yeah. At least I did. <laughs> it's, it's just hilarious to see cute quirky mabel go immediately to like grunkle stand but not as much well she's she's a goofster she'd make a killing on the ventriloquist circuit i'm sure she would even though it would just be people watching her fail because she can't do the water thing there's always the hamster ball do i have literally any other notes i don't think i do yeah this is just uh this is just a good episode i would encourage you to also watch the credits um, not just the credit scene, but like, yeah, like look at the credits, because uh, Will Forte is in this. Oh, he only had one line, so you might not have caught him, but he is in it, and he will be in it in the future. So I'm not gonna tell you who he plays yet. I'm gonna wait for you to figure it out. My guess in this episode, he was uh, he was one of the guys moving the glass. If I had to venture a guess, based on characters with one line only, I don't know. Who knows? Um, and uh, also the director, John Alshima, he did a lot of my favorite episodes in the se- in the first season of DuckTales. Yeah, a lot of people from the show um, moved to DuckTales and the Owl House and stuff like that. Uh, Emmy Cicerega did this in DuckTales. Dana Terrace did this, then DuckTales, then the Owl House. I think uh, John Alshima has got a Netflix movie coming out or, or something. Yeah. Michael Rianda. What was his... I think he directed this episode. He directed The Mitchells versus The Machines. Oh, wow. And I'm going to look up what exactly his role was, because I know he only worked on season one of this show properly. I saw he he co-wrote this episode. Yeah, he was creative director and writer for season one, creative consultant for season two. And uh, Jeff Rowe, one of the writers, I think either co-directed or co-wrote Mitchell's versus the Machines. Wow, and I'm I'm hearing a lot of great stuff about that. So it's it's great to trace sort of trace the path of a lot of these crew members in what the and what they do. Like uh, like imagine my uh, couple of storyboard artists that I knew from Ed Ed Nettie. I found I found out later on worked on My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Like it was just interesting to. Uh, to see that progression. Yeah, I, when we were doing, like, the Christmas streams, when we were streaming those Christmas specials from the Kill Brill Discord, we did the Spongebob Christmas special, and Walt Dorn was in the credits, and I was like, wait a minute, he did the Trolls movies. What's he doing here? <laughs> yeah. He was Stiltskin in Shrek 4. <laughs> oh, yeah, Alex Hirsch also had a small voice role in Mitchell's vs. the Machines. He played one of the main characters friends who only has a couple lines and let's see now he's on the owl house he had a guest appearance on phineas and ferb in like 2014 had a guest appearance on rick and morty probably around the same time yeah it's just really fascinating to see how these crew members get around on certain projects when you know them so well for this one thing oh i forgot uh matt brawley creator of amphibia worked on this show too i think he was a board artist oh that's cool i think one or both of the creators of big city greens also were worked on it yeah beavers had empty no thoughts only beavers
Hey, I, I, I what, was... what, what, what was that? What was that noise? What was that? What was that defense? I didn't. <laughs> I saw. I saw your. I saw your face, and I'm like, oh no, that that that. I didn't mean anything by it. That was on you. Why was it on me? <laughs> Just because you didn't mean to. That doesn't make it my fault. Do you want to know the title of the next episode? The title is Headhunters, and that is all I'm going to tell you for now. Ooh, what are the heads hunting? Do with that what you will. I'm not going to tell you what the heads are hunting, AJ. That's what the next episode is for. you got to figure it out on your own. Right. This has been Into the Falls. You can find me at Mabel Page Pines on Twitter and Instagram. That's Mabel P A G E Pines. I'm also May Page on YouTube and Film Knife on Medium and WordPress. That's where I post my film reviews and essays, editorials, etc. You can follow the show on Twitter at The Falls Cast, all one word, and Into the Falls Podcast on YouTube. And I will hand it off to AJ. My fandom of choice is Disney Ducks and their many spinoffs, so for lots of that, follow me on Twitter at AJ underscore the underscore blue jay or tumblr at aj dash the dash blue jay into the falls is hosted and produced by mary mckeon and aj sanchez with music by kevin mcleod thanks for listening and until next time trust no one So he's could have, he could have, he's could have, he's could have, he, oh my shit. <laughs>